Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. For the past two Sundays, we've considered the assignment God has given mankind, the assignment to be His stewards. First and foremost, as stewards of God, He has called us on His behalf to love one another. As God loves people, all people, so are we on his behalf to love people, all people. God's Son Jesus made this mission assignment. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Well, this stewardship of love was not the first assignment God gave us. It is the core assignment of our lives as Christians. Last Sunday, we considered the first assignment God gave mankind, to rule over his creation that is, to tend and care for it, to help it to flourish. This morning I conclude this series on stewardship and want to help us see that God also has called and assigned us to the task of being stewards of the resources he has provided for us. To do this, I want to take you on a flyover of biblical examples and teachings about our task as stewards of our resources. First, let me clarify. When I talk about our resources, I mean our resources of time, our resources of talents and skills, and our resources of capital, that is, finances. Would you pray with me as we prepare to fly over this topic together? Heavenly Father, even though we are seriously distracted and tired and some of us are depressed, and deeply troubled over these days of pandemic and stress, we still have much to be thankful for. For your love for us, for the redemption and forgiveness your Son Jesus brings us, for our families, and especially the family of the Church, and for your provision for our daily lives. Help us this day and this week to consider your blessings and in particular for the way you have chosen to involve us as your partner in stewardship of your love, of your creation, and of the resources you have provided for us. Speak to us all, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's begin our flyover today with the first family, or at least really with their children, Cain and Abel. God completes his creation of all things. He tells the man and the woman to tend and care for the creation, to rule it with wisdom and make it prosper. And then God tells them to be fruitful and multiply. So they did. And soon they are the proud parents of two sons, Cain and Abel. Listen to what we find out about these two boys in Genesis chapter 4. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Both of these boys responded to God's provision with an offering of thanks. This is a wonderful example of being responsive to all that God provides. But note this, 
Cain, it says, presented some of his crops, while Abel brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs. This difference was not between crops and lambs. The difference was between just some and the best. God wants us to give him our absolute best in response to all he does. We continue our flight for a quick landing in Genesis chapter 14, Abraham and Melchizedek. Abram, the father of the Hebrew people, is living in the hill country in the land of Canaan. His nephew Lot is living in the lush valley. Tribal kings have invaded the valley region and have taken Lot and his family away. News of this reaches Abram, and he gathers his men and pursues the invading kings, overcomes them, and returns Lot and his family to their home. Listen to what happens. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedalormar and all his, his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and the priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The word tenth in the Hebrew is the word tithe. This is the first mention of tithe as a response to God's provision. And in this case, the provision of victory over enemies. We continue flying, and now we come to Jacob and his vow. Jacob, who has fathered many sons, whose names become the names of the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel, has defrauded his older twin brother and is now fleeing north to escape. He's on his way to his uncle Laban's home, where he will spend at least the next 14 years in a very dysfunctional family. While on his way, he has a dream of God's promise to provide for him and make his family into a nation of God's chosen people. Listen to Jacob's response to God in Genesis 28 when he awakens. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, though it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Jacob responds to God and to the anticipation that God will fulfill the promise made in the dream by his own promise to give God a tenth of everything, a tithe. These three landings on our flight as we begun them today reveal a tangible and economic response to the provision God gives. But I want to be clear. These accounts are descriptive of what happened. And while instructive and insightful and encouraging for us, cannot be considered as proscriptive, as something that's law, at least not yet. As our flight continues, we take our next stop in Leviticus, 
with Moses and the law. God chooses Moses to be the leader of the people of Israel, a leader who takes them from slavery in Egypt to the borders of Canaan, the promised land, a leader who also takes them to a fuller, deeper, and well-ordered understanding of what God wants from the people that he has chosen. Listen to what God tells Moses to say to the people. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. Clearly, God is setting here the standard for our stewardship of economic resources at a tithe, that is 10%. He then adds that if you wish to keep your crops and implied flocks, you can redeem them or buy them back at their value and pay that amount plus 20%. In other words, 12% of the market price. Before we continue... We might be asking the question, what do these tithes go for? Listen to how God answers this in the book of Numbers. As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. The tithes are the very way God chooses to support the tribe of Levi those who were set aside in the nation of Israel for service in the tabernacle, later in the temple, and even later to this day in the synagogues. These were the people who taught the ways of God and oversaw the sacrifices and worship of the people of God. But God has a message for the Levites who received the tithe of the people. Listen to what God says to them in just a few verses later. Give these instructions to the Levites. When you receive from the people of Israel the tithes I have assigned as your allotment, give a tenth of the tithes you receive, a tithe of the tithe, to the Lord as a sacrifice offering. Every family, every person in the nation of Israel was to give to the work of God a tithe of their resources. And a case could be made that these resources not only included their economics, but also their time and their abilities. Repeatedly, the people are engaged in relocating during the days of the tabernacle. It took a lot of effort and cooperation. They also built and maintained during the days of the temple in Jerusalem, and establishing to this day synagogues around the world for the Jewish people. But then God sent Jesus, the promised Messiah, We continue our flight in the New Testament for a few more moments. The first thing we will notice is that the word tithe is found in only a couple places in the New Testament scripture. First, tithing is found in Hebrews 7, which is really recalling the story of Abram and Melchizedek from Genesis 14. The tithe is also found in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, which are the same event and a conversation Jesus is having with the religious leaders known as the Pharisees. And here we will take our first landing in the New Testament with Jesus and the Pharisees. Listen to just one of the statements Jesus makes to them. 
What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. And that story is repeated in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. What are the more important things? Three of them are listed. Justice, that's equity and fairness. Mercy, that's forgiveness. And faith, trusting in God. I believe two additional more important things are, one, being stewards of God's love for people, for that is part of the great commandment, and two, being stewards of God's creation, the first task given to us by God himself, both of which we covered in the past two weeks. But let's continue our flight. While there is no more mention of tithing in the New Testament, there is a clear message on the stewardship of our resources. It's not a law to live up to. Instead, it's a lifestyle to live into. We board our plane and we fly into Acts chapter 2, the first church. Jewish people are coming to believe in Jesus as Messiah, but this choice they make is not going well in the larger community. They are being ostracized by their family, their businesses are being boycotted, and they are removed from their place of worship in the temple. Essentially, they are persecuted for this new belief that Jesus is the promised Messiah. So they are now required to take care of each other. Listen to what they did. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. No rules had been established to do this, but they had experienced the filling of God's Holy Spirit in their lives, and that changed everything. They were now partnering with God, not only made in God's image by creation, but now also transformed into God's likeness by the redemption of Jesus in their lives. What does it mean to be transformed into God's likeness? It means receiving God's character, God's lifestyle, God's ways of living. That is what the new birth does in the life of a person who receives God's Son, Jesus, and is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2 is all about the generous character of God in the life of these new believers. This teaching on generosity fills the New Testament. We could make several stops in the letters of Paul and Peter and John as examples of the generosity of God's redeemed people. But those are not on our itinerary for today. But there is one final stop we will make as we continue on our flight, and it's back with Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Our final leg of the flight takes us to Matthew 25, the judgment. Jesus is teaching his disciples about the last judgment. Listen to what he says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, 
Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. There is no greater image of the generosity of God's love and the stewardship of our resources than this. The judgment of our lives is how we managed our resources of love, finding the lost, helping the hurting. This is what authenticates our lives as genuine followers of Jesus who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. May God help us to clearly show to the world this generosity because Jesus lives in us. Pray with me. Father, help us to allow your generosity to flow in our lives, not because of an ancient law, but because your Holy Spirit in us is free to be you. Help us to find lost people and introduce them to Jesus. Help us to help hurting people so that they might be drawn to Jesus. Help us to be effective and generous stewards of your love, your creation, and the resources of economy, time, and giftedness that you have so generously given to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before this service ends, today we have an opportunity to help Bethany plan well for 2021 for ministry as supported by our budget. Today is the day where we ask you to share your faith-based financial commitment to next year so we can plan an appropriate and realistic budget. You've received a Together for Joy card by email, mail, or live in an in-person worship today. One side of the card responds to frequently asked questions. Please review that. It will help. The other side is where you can help our finance and stewardship ministry plan for the new year. Four things to be aware of. Number one, your faith-based commitment to giving to the Bethany budget. These funds support all the ministries and the staff at Bethany Covenant Church. Number two, your faith-based commitment to giving to the building fund, which are used to pay the monthly mortgage for our building, and we have just a few years left to pay off the mortgage. Number three, a box to check if your workplace has a matching gift program. And number four, some personal information, your name, address, phone number, and email. Please return this to Bethany as soon as possible. You can do so by mail. And know this, only the financial secretary will review these cards. The stewardship and finance ministry will only receive total dollar amounts, no names, from the financial secretary so that they might build the budget for 2021. 
Thank you for sending Bethany this information. And thank you for your generosity throughout this very unique year of 2020. God bless you.